This episode of MBSing is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked me not to read an ad, so I'm just going to thank them for their constant friendship and support. Enjoy the show. I do my head toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Hello, welcome to MBSing. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guest today is my friend Becca Levine, and she talks to me about her love of Japan. Having spent some time there as a study abroad student and then returning once she finished school to teach English, she has a collective couple of years spent and has since revisited because she really has fallen in love with the country. As a role result of a lot of really incredible experiences there. She described some of the scenery that she got to experience and some of the cultural things that she's picked up along the way that I think really color her personality and the way she tackles the world with such enthusiasm and joy. If you would like to see Becca perform live, she is a member of the group Baby Wine, who has a show every Friday night at the Annoyance Theater at 10 p.m., so you can check out a group of entirely LGBTQ improvisers doing a set to close out their show each week. They typically get a number of other acts, usually along the LGBTQ community as well to open it up. So it's just a wonderful night of representation and just truly great comedy. And I would recommend it to anyone. Becca is also a member of the Cards Against Humanity Writers Room, of whom I've had a number on the show in the past few months. And I've gotten to kind of reconnect with her through that and do a few Cards Against Humanity live shows with her. It's just a joy. She's a really wonderful performer to get to share a stage with and watch. So I would encourage anyone to take the opportunity. If you would like to see a different live show at the Annoyance Theater, you can see one on Thursday nights at 9.30. It's called The Fishbowl, a group I am a member of hosts and closes out each week. It is geared towards students of improv and otherwise who would like to come and get an opportunity to play with veterans of the likes of Miss Becca Levine and some of her other counterparts in Baby Wine. And uh, it's just a great night all around. So if you want to see a nice improv show on Thursday night, come check out The Fishbowl. If you'd like to see one on Friday night, go check out Baby Wine. If you would like to see a live storytelling show and you are listening to this the week it is released, there is a Nerdlogs Your Stories event on Sunday night, August 20th at 7 p.m. at the Beat Kitchen. The theme for this month is called At The Movies. We have some guests from some fellow Chicago podcast co-op shows, Alka Hollywood and Cinema Jaw, who will be telling some stories that they are inspired to tell from that theme. So my guess is there will be a lot of film story Telling. I will be contributing a story and be in attendance, and I think it'll be a great time. If you are looking for other podcasts to check out, might I recommend Cinema Jaw, Your Stories, and Alka Hollywood, as they're all a part of that lovely night. It's going to be an adventure in the Chicago Podcast Co op. Then you can listen to the whole thing as a part of your stories later on in the year. How great is that? Just great. A lot of camaraderie. There are some really wonderfully incredible stories in here. Some really harrowing weather tales. Some things that I want to be able to witness on my own in terms of scenery and culture. And I just had a real great time unpacking all of it with Becca Levine. That's what I was expecting. So Yeah, I, I think that was in your writer. It was. Your yes. production assistant sent over, uh, I don't know, uh, I and just, beef jerky. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is a, a random baseball aside before we get started. <laughs> okay. There's, they're doing a, kind of a promotional weekend at the end of the month where the players get to put a nickname on the back of these uh, special jerseys. Which players? Baseball players. Uh, in Major League Baseball, 
uh, have gotten to choose whatever they want their okay. nickname to be on the back of their jersey. There's a catcher. I think he plays for the Orioles now, but his name's Wellington Castillo, and he put beef on the back of his jersey, <laughs> and that is just great. That's perfect. Come on. That's perfect. Apparently, when I was one of the articles I read about it said he didn't eat beef Wellington until like two years ago because he's from some kind of Hispanic yeah, country exactly. where they wouldn't have Most people, that dish. I don't think I've ever eaten beef Wellington. I don't think I have either. I think it's on the menu at Hopley for something like that. Yeah. And that might even be the first time where I was like, wait, what is beef Wellington? <laughs> I think it's flaky pastry. Oh yes, type. you're right. I think I saw this on a cooking show, and you—it's uh, like a phyllo dough that yes. you wrap, it and it has to be wrapped tightly. I honestly think it was a children's cooking show, That's and really the children funny. were doing this. That's... And I'm like, I, this child is making beef Wellington. I've never <laughs> I don't eaten even beef know what, that is. what have I done with my life? <laughs> so <laughs> that's great. One of my favorite uh, British inspired foods is really similar and maybe beef wellington probably is british too yeah come it's on got it. well listen duke to that of, name duke of wellington e- yeah yeah that sounds right that sounds right it's not a wikipedia duke article <laughs> duke are we thinking of, <laughs> i don't know are, think, are we thinking of duke ellington north and well uh, <laughs> yeah. but they have um so cornish uh, miners made this food called pasties it's basically like a hot pocket yes but it tastes good yes <laughs> Less chemical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like if you took a chicken pot pie and just folded it up <laughs> to into go. a flaky yeah. to-go pocket. Man, they're delicious. I wish we had them. Have you made them? No, I've never tried. I bet it wouldn't be too hard. I should look up a recipe. Just get, get, or you can either make the dough or buy the dough. Yeah. Yeah. I should try it. It's worth a shot. Summer inspiration. If those kids... Nice summer food. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking yeah. that. Nice little warm... <laughs> hot pocket. ...pouch of food. <laughs> for, Pull it out For here. the beach. <laughs> <laughs> How's everybody doing? Brought lemonade and pouches of stew for everyone. Because <laughs> that's really all it yeah. is. It's just yeah. like a little flaky stew pocket. Stew pocket. <laughs> This is my son, Stu Pocket. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> that that is a character yeah. in and of itself. Yeah, definitely. Stu Pocket. Stu Pocket. He would be a real character. Oh, yeah. Well, he, he could either be very introverted <laughs> and keeps to himself or incredibly outgoing and gregarious. <laughs> I agree. There he goes again, bubbling around town. <laughs> yeah. Here's old Stu. Everybody loves Mr. Pocket. <laughs> In my head, his name is still spelled S-T-E-W. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. No question. Or like uh, S-T-U with the umlaut over. Ooh, yeah. That is yeah. good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so my guest today, master of character, I would say. Oh, please. Please. And thank you, no, thank Becca you. Levine. Hello. <laughs> I mean, I feel like when we did that little Joko cruise together, it was it was always a Becca character callback that that was like closing out the show. Oh, you're, Gail from HR. Gail or from HR made it but. in. I think more two out of like four shows. She's, Gail's a character, and she's a people person. She runs HR, so who can who can you blame for wanting her back? But. And Becca and I are going to talk about her time spent in Japan and her interest in their culture and kind of the things that she's taken away from that. And I'm pretty pumped about it. I am extremely pumped. Did you wear this shirt on purpose? It's kind of Japanese inspired. I'm wearing sort of a a busy print shirt that has (laughs) got some trees and it's black and gray. And the the short answer is no, I did not plan this. Um, But you're correct. It does does feel Japanese. It's definitely got some uh, Eastern inspiration. Uh, (laughs) I'll show all of you at home later. Yeah, yeah. I'll bust a pick. So what's the origin of your interest in Japan? So I always have loved to travel. And fortunately, I was uh, lucky as a kid that uh, my family, when we did have extra money, we'd spend it on travel as opposed to like more of that experience. So always loved to travel, but had never been to, uh, you know, lived abroad or worked abroad. And in college, uh, I guess my sophomore year, the kind of Asian studies department was advertising this uh, trip that was also a class. And it was 
essentially a hiking haiku class where you follow, it's called Okonohosumichi, and you follow essentially the guy that invented the haiku, Matsuo Basho, on his journey to the north. So he wrote this journal and wrote these haikus along this path. And so we read his book and wrote our own haikus and created our own travel journal along the way. And they paid for my trip and I got class credit. And it was fun. I was like, I'm just going to apply you know, what's the harm? And I, I I got the scholarship and I was essentially, I was basically the only non-Asian studies that is so student funny. that got to go. What so, was your major? I majored in cultural anthropology, leadership, and uh, minored in theater. That's awesome. Where did you go to school? Unemployment, essentially. <laughs> uh, I went to University of Colorado Boulder. Awesome. Great. I was thinking like, this has got to be a liberal arts education, but... I guess it's the area is a little bit of everything. Enough of that thinking. Uh, I mean, you had the cultural anthropology oh, side of things probably helped scoop you into the helm a little bit. Uh, that sounds awesome. So that was my first taste of Japan. Uh, got to go on this. Spend the whole term. Just really, it was a little over a month uh, that we were there, which is pr- a long time to be with a group of strangers traveling in this you know, foreign country and um, still doing schoolwork, schoolwork being uh, writing this journal and right. writing haikus, but then also going to different museums and different places that Basho also went. You know, there's a barn where a horse peed and there's this haiku about it. And so what? you're standing in this barn. I'm in the horse pee barn. And yeah. And they're like, this is amazing. But this oh. is, you know, history. So Wow. That is so funny. Yeah. Yeah, I went on study abroad in the UK, hence the Cornish pasties uh, takeaway. Big fan of dough pastry with meat, Mary Beth. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people don't know this about her. Huge fan. Pockets of stew. And it was the same kind of deal, especially we spent a couple weeks in Stratford, so we went to like Shakespeare's house. Someplace Shakespeare wrote this, <laughs> yeah. you know, this theaters that he originally performed his plays it was it's so funny how different the educational experience can be if you're in the spot where it was happening just solidifies it big time i'm sure that was i mean that sounds pretty cool in spiritual sense oh yeah you're in these temples and the it's it's all about nature you know you're in these buddhist temples you can't help but feel connected to something higher than yourself when you're in the middle of nowhere and haikus you're connecting to nature anyways a haiku in, in general is a celebration of nature so you're thinking in these syllables in your head but then you're also paying attention to everything because the sounds around you the the nature around you and just the culture it's different so you're almost hyper focused on everything and you can really take it in i don't know that i would have realized that haikus were specifically nature influenced yes uh, a lot of people just think it's syllables right and it can be there's different different sure. styles of it but uh the true haiku is is a, a celebration of nature at its essence whether you're referring to a specific season or Nature itself being very fleeting mm-hmm. uh, in Buddhism as well, this idea of impermanence, that there's nothing really permanent in this world. So just whip out a little poem about yeah, it? Yeah. That's yeah. delightful. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think there was kind of a double layer of separation for you from, you know, being in this totally separate culture, but also being among a bunch of Asian studies majors Oh yeah, I mean, not to not to brag or anything, but I was kind of the cool kid because yeah. I was. I mean, the cool kid being that I was different, right. and and, and um, some I mean, people it probably were... helped your application process in the long run. Oh it's yeah, just it's kind of like what they say about if you're an English major and you apply to med school, they're like, what exactly? English? And you just sort of have a different skill set. And I think I was. I had that beginner's mind and that mm. I was so eager to, you know, start learning Japanese and, and being, yes. you know, not taking all these little details for granted because it was all new to me. Yes. Um, so I think that that definitely helped me being in that month-long intensive there. Awesome. Was there time in the setup where you guys learned some phrases or things like that? How did you prep for the trip? That trip was, uh, I did kind of study here and there, and we did have some pre-meetings. I 
audited a Japanese class, not for this trip, but when I knew I was moving there after graduation uh-huh. uh, for the next chapter. That that trip sure. planted that seed for me to want to go back and work there after I graduated. Uh-huh. And so before I moved there, uh, I did audit a Japanese class just to, <laughs> Good to for try you, and, man. Because, I mean, it's a whole other ball game for all you sports fans out there. Japanese is a whole other ball game. Yeah, I remember Beef Wellington. <laughs> That also <laughs> applies to the Japanese language. It's true. <laughs> what is it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's more. Do you think that the haiku kind of goes along with the nature of Japanese language in general? Does that question make sense? Um, I think it 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 is more cultural, I would say, than than the language because because I was writing the haikus in English, mm. it, it's harder for me to compare it to my Japanese isn't to the level that it should be to write in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Very basic, I could could have then, but uh, so I think the haiku in general is closer to the cultural itself in terms of that that focusing on Buddhism and the um, fleeting nature of it all. That it's just it exists and then it's gone. Sure. How long was the actual, like, did you walk the hiking trail? Like, was that process, you know, was that 10 days of your month or whatever? It was parts of it. So we would, you know, hike, uh, uh, do some path or some mountain and then stay in a a city. Or we also did homestay. Cool. We stayed on the top of um, a mountain in a temple as well. amazing. Um, My favorite uh, part of that trip was these three mountains that are called... um, birth, death, and rebirth. And we essentially climbed this mountain in the middle of a typhoon. <gasps> so all of the, the Americans, you know, all of the people on my, my trip were in shorts. I mean, we were, we're from Colorado. We're like, how hard could this right. be? Here's the hiking thing. We were in shorts and a, like a windbreaker and... All of the Japanese that were hiking the mountain were in full rain pants, full gear, full backpacks, like just everything. And at the start of it, we're like, oh, we'll be fine. And it was and it was intense. It was wind and rain and there's snow at the top, too. (gasps) And so it was it was a very intense uh, experience that definitely brought us closer together. But then you you sort of emerge and you're kind of reborn at this other mountain no too. So way. I mean, sounds cheesy, but it was. No man, I we, just some of us I got a little wave of chills. People's, uh, you know, were like, "Oh, I'll just trying to use an umbrella," and it just flew off. <gasps> like someone tried to open it at a certain point and completely lost their umbrella. Wow. So yeah, when you say typhoon, that's yeah, it was. I mean, no it was joke. a typhoon. Yeah. Were you having trouble even like standing? Were you having yes. to like lean yes. against it and stuff? Yes. That is so scary. Because it wasn't like that at the start of of the hike. If it was right. like that at the start, we would not Probably have done that. Have gone in, yeah. Uh, but it was, yeah. It, it brought us closer together. And having to deal with the elevation changes mm-hmm. too. Was it? What was the like surface? Was it grassy or was it? sheer a lot of rocks because it's a it's a volcanic you know active volcano so a lot of rocks some and there's a like a dirt path but towards the top of the mountain you're completely exposed so that's part of the reason why the wind was it's the same at fuji if if anyone's ever climbed fujisan it's it's the same one i did that when i moved later on later on awesome Um, but yeah it's it's a whole other uh, feel to it than the not really trees and things like that in this particular area. Mm-hmm. Certain areas definitely they have trees in Japan. New flash. <laughs> wow, no trees in Japan. That's what I heard. <laughs> not a not a tree in sight. You know, it's one thing if once one thing uh, I'm going to give it a one star on that Yelp review. No trees. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is a real thing. People write Yelp reviews for like natural occurring yeah. things. Like hikes or lakes or, you know, I just wish, I wish there were more birds. It's nobody's fault that there weren't birds. Bizarre. Yeah. Man. Uh, Well, you know, if you're listening, no trees. No trees in Japan. (laughs) She's lying. I did not say that. And I'm not an expert on Japan. I just want to make that clear. But I do know they have trees. (laughs) That is awesome. I I can't fathom how, you know, exhausting and... Ultimately rewarding. Yeah, that exactly. When you come to the, it's the same in an Iranian race. When you come to the finish line, you you can't believe you just did that. So how long was the hike itself? 
honestly, it was over four hours. Wow. At that, you know, so. In a typhoon. Yeah, yeah, it was going up. We're like, oh, we got this. We got this. About an hour and a half in, it got pretty, pretty intense. And even going down, you're kind of, uh, it's called glissading or glissading on uh, snow. So you're using, on your feet, you don't have any special sh- shoes. You're just in your tennis shoes or hiking shoes and you're sort of sliding down and the you mountain. You have done this in Colorado, but yeah, you have kind of, to, to yeah, be able to, to navigate it. Of it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like I would fall a lot. Yeah, we all made it through, so <laughs> nobody sued anybody. Did yeah. you get little cold wrinkle feet? Oh, it was freezing. I was, if you're soaking wet, you're freezing. That's we what were I was not thinking. properly prepared. The worst thing, I just having wet shoes and socks yes. and having to walk any distance in them is one of my least favorite sensations. I, I, I agree. Hate paying for parking. Hate wet, wet feet. <laughs> so I agree. They're the same thing. <laughs> yeah. If you are in shorts and stuff, I just can't fathom. Yeah. So it, our, it took, for, oh, we had to put our shoes like by the heaters to mm-hmm. try and, because we don't, we didn't pack very much stuff with us because you can't take a lot of stuff with you traveling in Japan. Everything's just much smaller. So you don't have these bulky bags. So these are basically your shoes for the whole trip. Yeah. And they're soaking wet wow and you smell were there personalities in your group that did not jive with that oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. not a, not a, we, i mean in any world not everyone's a hiker sure yeah. yeah that's what i was thinking like there have to be some people who did not realize what they were literally signing up for no question wow yeah and I just can't imagine putting a bunch of you know hiking rookies into a situation but you we you gotta th- you get through it that's yeah. awesome yeah. So you finish out that period of time, come back, had enough of a, what would you say were the biggest things that you took away from that that made you go, I got to get back? I think just uh, falling in love with the culture and uh, the people. It's just like the the, the nicest people, very um, friendly in the sense of they are also kind of scared of you because you're definitely not, not like them in, right. in a lot of ways, but just the the attention to detail and just the focus on beauty in in the the country whether you're it's compiling a, a bento box like presenting yeah. in a certain way or um, just just anything just taking pride in, in what what they they did and and just felt so so welcome and I just I, I loved uh, so many aspects about it and I was like I, I want after after college I want to work abroad I want to live uh, internationally and so opportunity came up through the jet program to uh, teach English in Japan so decided to apply and they said, okay, come on over. Wow. And did you know at that point how what the duration of that teaching stint would be? So it's at least a year. Wow. And then you can decide to recontract uh, for up to three years. Um, and I probably would have stayed longer if it hadn't been for my uh, – they asked you to recontract in the wintertime. Oh. <laughs> and my particular – I was in this area called Nagano-ken. Nagano – Ken is sort of like the count. Nagano is the biggest city. Mm-hmm. And I was in a town called Karuizawa, which is sort of like the Aspen of Japan, huh. like a ski town. But then there's just everyday people that live there. But then uh, wealthy people like the president of Sony has their summer homes there. Sure. So like, there's kind of this mix of... Uh, and it, it, maybe kind of tourists. Yes. So they have like an outlet mall, which is so big. Whoa. It's like, I was lucky that that was there because I had access to certain goods that other people in smaller towns didn't. Yeah. Um, but where this town is located uh, geographically, the in the wintertime, it is very cold. In the summertime, it is much cooler, which is nice. So it's appealing because it gets very hot in the summer. But where it is in the winter, it is just frigid. And my tiny Japanese house um, has no central heating. Oh, my gosh. So you have a kerosene heater. Oh, my gosh. And you have to buy kerosene and you pick a room and you shut your that's shoji, the one you sh- that's shut warm. your doors and you are uh, staying in that room. You have a heated coffee table as well, kotatsu, that you can sit under. Um, and yeah, so I mean, to keep item in my in the wintertime, to keep items from freezing, like to keep my toothpaste or my olive oil from freezing, I had to store them in my fridge. Because the rest of my house was so cold. Like I was chopping vegetables with fingerless gloves, like things like this. That is 
crazy. I can't fathom storing things in your fridge so that they don't yeah. freeze. Yeah, I was sleeping with like an electric blanket, like which yeah. you shouldn't. I don't. I don't. That doesn't sound safe. No, a kerosene <laughs> heater in general yeah. is not safe. No, not safe, especially considering what. Most of the building materials probably oh, are. Enough, yeah, it, it, yeah. There's yeah, open flame up. in my home. Yeah. So, oh, but so they asked you if you want to recontract in, in February, and I'm like, oh, I don't Can't know if do I it. can do this. Like, I mean, you you, sh- you know, there's no such thing as bad weather. Just ill prepared people. Am I right? Sure. But this was my home. Like this, I couldn't. And there, there were other factors that I just decided not to recontract. I wanted to get back yeah, to performing seems... and all that. But sure, the, yeah. it was it was it was brutal in the winter. Man, that is I, unfathomable. Yeah. I mean, just that detail. You said that is a small town close to Nagano. Like yeah, it's about the... an hour by bullet train by Shinkansen outside of Tokyo. Shinkansen. Um, Shinkansen. Yeah, it's like the bullet train, very fast. Uh, and then the main town in the area is Nagano, where they had the Winter Olympics. That's why yes. I brought it back around. Mm-hmm. So was that around? That time, I can't remember when those the Olympics, Olympics were. The Olympics were late 90s. I think it was 96, okay. uh, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, that was, bef- yeah, that was before I was there. But they still had some... Um you know some some things some of the yeah, like i'm sure they had to it build and, special the town where i was it was the um what's it called curling the curling was held in cool. the town where i was that was another yeah. reason why i asked is i figured if it was close enough and it was that much of a kind of resort city that they would have had some of the exactly. events there curling that is mm-hmm. so what a fun little detail yeah. <laughs> so so hot right now yeah. <laughs> there's a place in the west loop where they set up curling have you ever done it no i wanted to last winter and i never made it around in the summer they turn them into bocce ball curls for the girls curls for the girls (laughs) bocce for the hot cheese Mm -hmm. (laughs) hashtag (laughs) hashtag curls for the girls uh yeah kaiser tiger if you're ever interested in the winter and feeling uh japan sick yeah, I want to go yeah. do some curling. Let's do it. I would love it. Uh, and based on the name, like maybe they've also appropriated some other. I stuff. think so. I think they might have t- <laughs> taken some other things and made them their own. <laughs> so uh, that's a, a fun, I guess, uh, question or direction to go in. You mentioned like bento boxes, yeah, and that kind of thing really is can be beautiful and fascinating and so much more specific with such an attention to detail that you can't find here how have you been able to compare like things like sushi and Japanese food here versus what it is there well at the time that you know we're so used to seeing avocado in our sushi here and there it is just not a thing yeah I heard more like cutting edge or alternative restaurants in Tokyo might have it but I had to introduce avocado to the teachers that I worked with, the Japanese teachers that I worked with. Wow. They sell it in the grocery store, and quite huh. frankly, it was not very expensive. Wow. Uh, and I, it's one of my favorite foods, so I was happy that I could still get it when I was there. And uh-huh. so I made guacamole for them and introduced it to them for like an Fun. international day and things like that. So it's pretty interesting that we think of California roll as being, you know, so go to, yeah. but you can buy sushi at seven 11, right. Like convenience stores in Japan. And it's incredible. pretty good. I yeah. mean, it's not the fresh, it's more processed. It, it would be, it's still the equivalent of sort of our fast food here, but mm-hmm. it's sushi, which is, you know, much healthier than, than other foods. But right. um, yeah, just fresh ingredients, more natural, just more healthful foods. One of, I remember, one of my first meals there was just a whole fish presented to me and I, I, I like I was just eating with with coworkers with the principal of my school they took me out to to welcome me and I I didn't know really how to go about eating it yeah. with chopsticks and like the right parts and the right so you, just you know like so I just start really slowly. slow as everyone <laughs> I'm just so overwhelmed with emotion. I I can't eat. But uh, yeah, and so the the that serving here in the states rarely happens. You sometimes you see like a whole snapper on the menu or things like that, but you're not used to seeing like a whole piece of fish. We're we're we don't we kind of can separate uh, what's how I'm, things are prepackaged a certain way that you don't often see a whole animal being right. presented to you. And yeah, yeah. And I'm sure, I mean, fishing is such a huge industry and source mm-hmm. that I'm sure everything is f- fresh 
and doesn't need to be, you know, processed in right. a way that preserves it to send it wherever it needs to go and stuff like that. That seems to be a pretty international difference mm-hmm. versus the states. Just, yeah, and, and just it's changing. I, a lot of it's changing. There's still more, like, there's a lot of snack foods there that didn't used to be there and just less but more people are cooking at home as Mm. opposed to going out and things like that Uh, Uh, and also specialties certain regions will be known for oh the ramen or this area everyone thing is seasonal and this oh this town makes jam and like that's just what they what they're famous for so if you go to that town of course you have to buy some and bring it back for omiyage or gifts for it's big very very gift giving obligation culture that you you if you go somewhere you have to bring Uh, something back yeah it's just like same yeah uh, that's how you remember it yeah yeah Yeah. how did you eat the fish with chopsticks i you just you i got a i got a lot better at using chopsticks during my my stay but you just sort of i can't describe it i you kind of um you can take one and then use it as a tool to kind of peel oh, away. Uh-huh. Um, and then, yeah, you just in a similar way stand in the bones and yeah, almost like you'd hold a fork and then cut with a knife. That's you exactly hold what I was going to say. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. <laughs> but truth be told that after that same meal where that fish was in front of me and I had this, conver- you know, scattered conversation and broken English and broken Japanese that was my first night in my house and I went home and cried because oh, it just feels you know so you're like what am I getting myself into and every everything is new and is so, this going to be every day right. where I have to figure out how to eat what I'm eating how to talk <laughs> like, to how to order yeah yeah so man yeah it's not all gu- it's not all gumdrops and lollipops so I don't want the public to think that that's the case so right yeah you're going through emotions what was the teaching experience like it was, uh, I was in a high school, and a lot of people ha- sort of have this idea that Japanese students are the best students in the world. They study hard, they want to be there, they're right. very studious. Yeah. And to a certain extent, that is true in some certain schools. Mm-hmm. And then there are also kids that do not want to be there and just want to get a job and be done with school, and they, they do not care. Like, you develop, uh, uh, people are like, oh, how do you teach English when you, or, you know, you don't speak any Japanese? And you, you do end up speaking some, but you also team teach with a Japanese teacher cool. who speaks um, both English and Japanese. So Great. anything that I can't explain, they, when we plan our lessons together and all that. But yeah, there's, there's students that do not want to be there are cheating on the games that you're just to like get done like you're asked like what is your hobby and this one girl would be like that would translate to tanning (laughs) (laughs) so it's just like they're just they're just high school kids and trying to rebel they're wearing uniforms but they're trying to rebel within the rules like i'll wear a boy's tie like you have to have a tie or they're trying to keep their skirts short and they're they're not allowed to dye their hair there's all these rules to try and keep them uh, in line but they always you're a high school kid you always find a way to rebel that is so fun to hear yeah because i do think that's such a cultural stereotype of like uh, so studious everyone really wants to be there and learn and work hard do you think how do you think the workload itself would compare to a class in the u.s or is it kind of hard to compare? It's hard to compare because I wasn't as involved in their other classes. But mm. I also taught in the accelerated English program as well. So full of, there was like a, the gifted and talented uh, cool. English speakers too. So I got to see uh, all different sides to it. Um, but yeah, it's hard to compare. There are some schools that are much harder than others too. Interesting. So, yeah. That is, uh, that is so fun. What was the schedule like? Uh, pretty early and then a lot of different classes. You had the English room. You you have to, um, I, it was probably, I, I don't even remember at this point. It was probably around like eight to five, like in general that wow. I was there. The kids weren't there as long. Yeah. But there's, um, yeah, you have different shoes for different bu- buildings, like, and you have, like, I essentially taught in slippers, wow. <laughs> the equivalent of slippers, just because it's, you change your shoes and you move into another space so and the kids do the cleaning there aren't um janitors like it's very much we're all in it together so they have different uh, assignments that they're responsible to, for keeping their school clean which wow is very very cool that is really interesting uh i would never even fathom that that would be yeah. an aspect of yeah can you imagine a bunch of high school kids culture. like in america vacuuming well they we didn't have vacuum but like sweeping there's no carpet it was all right um hardwood or hard concrete yeah, yeah. man that's so funny that just part of the day was yeah. all right different clean time mm-hmm. 
Yeah, just curious in terms, because I feel like so much of American culture revolves around a nine-to-five mm-hmm. schedule, and it seems like internationally that's not quite as much of a stalwart yeah. thing. Yeah, So I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah I'm trying. I, it's hard for me to remember the exact... Uh, timing but Mm -hmm. teachers are would always work a lot it's sort of you take this pride in working and if you leave early it's looked down upon and there's this thing i'm trying to remember in you're actually respected more if you're in a meeting and you fall asleep because it shows you're working so hard really hard that you are so tired from all the work that you are so exhausted that you fall asleep wow what a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I nailed it. No, I didn't. I didn't uh, fall asleep. I, uh, I'm more scrutinized. So you had to kind of be on your yeah. toes all the time. But. Sure. What? Man, that is a really fascinating yeah. Isn't that because you're, oh, I'm so tired. I'm working so hard. I just oh, really, just, I worked so hard into the night. Yeah. Last like you'll night. see politicians fall asleep on TV as well in, in Japan. I was going to say, I feel and like, it is I've, like revered. I've like heard or seen that before. Of, you know, maybe it being pointed out mm-hmm. in a large meeting. Mm-hmm. And I never would have known that that, like, in Japanese culture is like, ah, he worked really he's hard. He's working so he hard. He deserved that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's so tired. He's working so hard. Wow. That is really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they, but they could have been doing anything. I could, it could have been out drinking the night before, which right. you're not allowed to talk about the day after. Like these certain things that if you go to parties with your fellow teachers, like it's just sort of this unspoken rule. Very like you taboo. work hard and you play hard and then you just do not talk about what happened at this party. would never. They don't know what, yeah, they don't know what's going on. They would never yeah. be given the opportunity to like be let in on that. Oh, no, no. As like, a... As a part of their students' lives or of teachers' lives? No, no, you don't talk about that. It's That's very really funny. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess it's pretty taboo to talk about that kind of thing in like young schooling here too. But well, just amongst other teachers, yeah, just among like you. you I'm talking about like you wouldn't talk about what happened last oh, night, even at if the it were gathering. just yeah. the four teachers yeah. in the room, like you, because they have these thing called called enkais where you have a party and you like with fellow teachers. They're Japanese, uh, and you know I'm the the foreigner there, but you just sort of get to know people and you're you know drinking and they're encouraging drinking and you know socializing. But then like if something you know whatever is talked about or you just just pretend like you did not see anyone the night before. That is bonkers yeah even yeah. among the teachers it's yeah like, that didn't happen but i'm sure and that's the other i mean there's other things that went on that i could not pick up on because my japanese i mean it got better the longer i was there but this is just but they made it very explicit that you, don't you, talk just, about you just don't talk don't talk about that it. didn't happen yeah what are you talking about i don't know what you're talking about yeah you're like you. gaslit <laughs> that <laughs> is so funny it's such a separation of work mm-hmm. and play yeah. that yeah. even when you're at work among coworkers, it's still not off the yes. table. Yeah. yeah. Did you, are the things that once you came back, it was, you know, either hard to adjust to or you really missed about the culture there? I think it sounds odd, but customer service, after leaving Japan and landing in LAX, it is like a slap to the face because I was trying to figure out like where to drop my bag off again to like go through after I went through customs. And this woman was just so incredibly rude to me. Wow. And we're in Japan. You're like, how do I get to this, uh, you know, uh, building? And they will walk you the there. whole way like or, or someone that is 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 on the train you know working you know cleaning the train they take so much pride in their job like they're they're it's just their job and or someone working at a restaurant they it's they wouldn't even consider being like rude to you right um but uh in america the, the lax landing was like a brutal reality check that's that really we're funny. not you're not in tokyo anymore that's yeah. really funny so how different were, how much did you get to spend time in, say, Nagano or Tokyo versus the small town that you stayed in? Um, you could, I could go on uh, weekends. Like, Nagano was, was a train train right away. And Tokyo right. was, too. The Shinkansen is more expensive, so you're not going to go to Tokyo every weekend by gotcha. any means. But I did get to do some travel in Japan and go up um, north to Hokkaido. I did a snowboarding, skiing trip up north in the wintertime. Cool. Um, and it was essentially, like, the Polar Express. Like, you just, the, I, the most snow I've 
I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Um, was, was in Hokkaido where, where we were. Um, so I was able to do some tra- and luckily with the trip before during college, I could revisit some of the places that I wanted to go back to. Awesome. And, but there's a lot. It, it, Japan is essentially the size of California, I would say, with all of the the islands combined. So uh-huh. if you think about it, you're you're not going to see all of California very easily. Sure. Um, with you know, but you can take the transit is pretty good. I didn't I didn't have a car. Other um, foreign teachers did have cars when I was there, so you could. Um, but get, public get rides. transit in general is a little more prioritized. Yes. Yes, especially and especially in the in the big cities too, because it's it's just the way to get around. Yeah, they, and there's less there's just less space and more people. Right. So. If everyone had a car, it'd be impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there ways to get from island to island without like flying? Uh, I don't think so there yeah. may be maybe it's certain certain ones that may be closer with um like uh bridges or there may be at this point be under underground uh mm-hmm. trains mm-hmm. but um we flew to hokkaido for more i mean time wise too so sure yeah right but yeah i just uh, I, I it struck me as yeah. you were talking about it i was like i don't but there are trains yeah I don't, I don't know the distance uh for from certain places but we always uh, we flew to hokkaido or took trains within it they used to have this thing called the japanese uh rail pass that you could get in the states and it was the best deal in japan wow if, if, but i don't know if it still exists so um it was like you could it was essentially unlimited train travel or specific like this many rides within a certain time and it was significantly less expensive than buying them in Japan. Well it was like a ballpark train ticket price. Oh it's uh, it's tough. Yeah. yeah. Like the Shinkansen is more um just cuz it's faster and nicer, but right. it depends on the distance and all that. Yeah. yeah. I'm just curious. Yeah. Uh the we took a train when i was in ireland recently and it was very comparable to the metro oh really it, yeah it was yeah. like uh five or six euro you know for probably a similar span of time and mm-hmm. distance and i was like okay i get this yeah it's like the metro yeah. i got it yeah you know? I'm, on, I'm on board <laughs> i am on board <laughs> in more ways than yeah. one uh yeah so that was that was fun and cool way to uh experience the city in a different when way. When were you there? Just uh, recently? About a month ago. Oh, a nice. A few weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, how did the skiing and snowboarding compare to that experience here? It was, so I grew up skiing in, in Colorado and decided that I was going to try snowboarding in Japan Ooh. just because I was living in, in you know, Nagano Ken and that it would be a good challenge. And so, and another uh, fellow teacher um, different, totally different school, but she was from Vermont and she taught me how to snowboard. Uh, incredible, different sort of landscape, but it was a struggle for me just because it was, it's all new. But a few days into it, it just sort of clicks. But part of me wishes I would have skied in when I was up in Hokkaido, just because it was so, such deep powder. And Mm. I was just like struggling on a snowboard, you know, as a, as a rookie, but sure. um, But beautiful. I mean, just incredible uh, mountains and a really, yeah, people are passionate about uh, skiing and snowboarding there as well. It was, you know, like, lift and lodge culture how did that compare it was much more low-key than it was in like you know sometimes you it's much more party atmosphere at some of the places Mm -hmm. in the states not not all of them but um and i think i was just kind of figuring it out and but yeah very but but um and it wasn't that crowded when i was there um certain places interesting so yeah so it'd be a little bit of an escape, I would think. But it also depends on where you go and when you go mm. in terms of the the mountains. So, uh, When you went back to some of the places that you saw originally, uh, what was kind of the overarching emotion tied to that? I think I just had more of an understanding. My Japanese had gotten better at that point. Right. And... Um, it just didn't feel as like looking everywhere. I mean, you're still looking everywhere about the same sense. You're like more more confident. Um, you you can't blend in. It's just like uh, sure. you just can't, and it's uh, you just uh, and it's tough. Like even when there is an open seat next to you on a train, 
maybe somebody won't sit down because they're afraid they'll have to speak English or you're, mm. you're just different. Um, but then other people will really want to want, want to, to engage. And um, it's just, uh, yeah, You, I think going back, I, I understood more about the culture and respecting like what you do and don't do. Mm. You don't eat and walk except ice cream or certain things. It's not a to-go culture. Huh. Like if you ask for a to-go coffee, then they will put it in a bag with a tote because they assume you're going back to your office. Wow. Because you don't, it's not easy. Even a drink like Even that. a drink. So you either sit and you enjoy it where you are or you take it back to your office or home. Because you, you don't have garbage cans everywhere. It's very strict oh. in terms of, like, so in my town in Karuizawa, we had to buy specific garbage bags where you, you had to write your name on your garbage because there were certain days you could throw out this and other days you could throw out that and if and you you had to follow the rules and if you didn't then they knew whose garbage that was wow because it's a limited amount of space right and if everyone threw batteries out all the time like it's not things aren't gonna be good oh my gosh that is really fascinating it seems like so much more thought and care has to be taken because of mostly space, I yeah, would think. Yeah, definitely. And efficiency and, you know, where, yeah, definitely. We don't have, we have all the space in America. So we're like, oh, we'll just dump it. Like we have space to dump it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, we probably have landfills that are, you know, the size of one of their islands. Right. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, yeah. If you think about it. Yeah. Especially if the whole thing is California. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. We're so, man, it, it, I think that's the biggest thing that I, one of the biggest things that I've taken away from international travel when I've been mm -hmm. lucky enough to be able to do it is we don't think, we don't consider how much our culture is shaped by what our country is, mm -hmm. by how spread out it is, by how uh, conglomerate it is. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just so many different groups and terrains and yeah just so much freaking space <laughs> that when you go on a family vacation you go to the beach and you don't go to another island in right. your country right. or uh you know european i remember meeting some europeans on the way back from when i studied abroad in the uk who were saying they had read an article recently about the fraction of americans that actually had a passport yes a yes. valid passport and they were shocked and i was like oh yeah i mean it's less it's rare yeah, you know, I think at that point they said so, it was something like a third. I've heard even less. less. Like, I don't know if this is true. Like ten percent. Maybe that's. Yeah. Maybe that was it. Yeah, ten percent, and they were shocked because when they vacation, they go to France, right. or you know, to Germany yeah. because it's the same distance as if we were going to go to Virginia, right? And they don't think, and their international flights are so cheap. Yeah. You can get a plane ticket for 50 euros. And I would like when I was in Japan, I went to Vietnam and I went to Malaysia. Cause, awesome. Because just like you're, I'm so, of course I'm going to go there yes. when my time off because you're, that's, that's my Virginia. Right. Well, I mean, uh, ish. But it's yeah, true. At the time. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Uh, so, you know, what were those experiences? Uh, like? I mean, just, just wild. It's the same thing. You're, you're just, I traveled by myself for a little bit in Vietnam, which is, uh, you know, you're taking risks and do I get the, on the back of this scooter and, right. you know, do I eat at this noodle kiosk or, you know, so you're, you're just sort of navigating it and, and, and figuring it out and, and taking those calculated risks and, and, um, um, yeah, it's just part of it. Because it's not even, you can't read signage. No. You can't, you probably didn't have like a smartphone or anything no, like that no. at that point. Man. And I think I was a vegetarian at the time. I, I, was, gonna, I was a pescatarian uh, at the time. So was, as, as the, the big fish. I was so. going to ask, because I think thought maybe you had you know of so, course i was some, co some you know dietary. after college boulder <laughs> hippie girl uh, <laughs> cultural I yeah. anthropology i only eat things that fall have fallen from the trees oh my gosh so but so yeah you do have like i had to communicate like does this have meat in it and things like that and you know 
And that's probably not as common for dietary wise to be no. discerning. People like in like in Japan, I was like, does this have meat in it? And they're like, no, but is pig, is pork okay? And I was like, no. So that's see, that sounds like yeah. the South yeah, to me. It's the same. It's like bait old and now now I'm I'm not a, a vegetarian, but um yeah, and I now I'm like, why wasn't I eating all of this like there was you know, probably some great the time, pork you missed that yeah, one. Missed all the pork I haven't porked. <laughs> Man, that is because I, uh, my friend Ryan Ben and his girlfriend Cynthia Banger traveled to Japan last year. Mm-hmm. And in talking to them about their trip, that was one of the biggest things they had to say was like everywhere they went, they just kind of had to guess. Sure. Because there was signage, but they didn't know what any of it yeah. meant. There was one place where they were hiking where they saw signs that had pictures of these giant boars mm-hmm. on them, like yes. big, threatening boars. And they were like, wow, huh? You know, it's like a deer crossing sign. No way we'll see that. Sure enough, they saw like more than one giant wow. wild boar. Wow. And it was just like, well, good thing they had a picture instead of <laughs> a thing that said boar because yeah. we wouldn't have gotten right. that. Right. Yeah, they'll they'll yeah, there's like where I where I was living in Cruzo, there were bears. They'd warn they'd warn you not to uh you know, hike without a bear bell and things like that. And a bear bell. They yeah, a bear bell. Is it to, to, so that you make noise so that you're not surprising so like any bears bear? or, or that you should be having a conversation with someone. So if you're hiking by yourself, you should be singing like to, yourself to yourself so that you're not, you know, you're making noise, you're making your presence known. It's so that they're not threatened when you just like happen right. upon them. Right. Oh, and the, yeah, gosh. signage is very important. Like design signage is very important in Japan too, because especially on the train too, the communicating with out there's also there was a volcano the town that i was in there was a volcano yeah it was uh, located on the slope of an active volcano and there were signs on the the hiking path at certain times of year you shouldn't uh, be hiking because of the fumes whoa and truth be told the the second month that i was there this volcano erupted no way it hadn't erupted in decades no way so it's it's late at night i'm um Getting getting ready for bed, just getting ready to go to sleep, and there's this huge like boom, and the house is shaking. My tiny little Japanese house is shaking, and I thought it was an earthquake because I, I've never been an earthquake. Grew up in Colorado. I don't know what this is. I'm like, do I go in a doorway? Do I get in the <laughs> oven? Like, what do I do? And then I should I go in the fridge with my toothpaste? Right, yeah. At this point, it was summer, so I was like, okay. Um, but then the loudspeaker in the town. There's this town loudspeaker. It starts going Asamayama, Asamayama, and I know Yama is mountain, and Asama is the name of the mountain. So I'm like, oh my gosh, the volcano. Is erupting. So you just had to kind of like and context so it like clues it. And then luckily the principal at my school, he stayed, he lived part-time in the house next door to me. And then the other part-time he lived with his family. Long story. Uh, so he came over and he, luckily he um, spoke some English too and explained to me that the volcano <gasps> was erupting. Oh, and I was like, um, do, I, goodness. do I pack a bag? Yeah. And I, do I... Um, flashlight do like what GTFO? do i do like I, yeah do i look for a, a taxi like what I do i do end it now i don't and, know and his advice was no 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 you just stay put and i was like okay and Thank then you, you wait for, for me further instructions about and, the eruption and luckily most of the the lava went to the other side of the mountain but the the next day the entire town the entire area was just covered in ash. ash it was as if it had snowed on this subtle you know you look at a leaf and it is just the slightest gray. dusting of this gray have you ever been in it it sounds like you like I, can, you uh, know this. I have family who grew up around Mount St. Helens so wow. I'm like kind of familiar with when Mount St. Helens yeah. erupted because it was like similarly shocking yeah and we have like ash from Mount St. Helens that like I found in my house as a wow. kid and was like, what's this? What's this? And Pixie stick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so only to have read about yeah. when something like that can happen. But that sounds so shocking. It was so shocking. How long had you, you said it wasn't it long was with It was like there. two months after I oh. arrived, not even a month and a half. And so that still yeah, has to have been wild. so world 
absolutely wild Shaking, and then you even walking no around riding your bike the next day you um it's just like hit the ash hitting your eyes and the dust hitting your eyes like you have to walk around with a bandana and it i mean it was it was wild and then of course we had these drills at school but basically the outcome of the drill was okay you don't you shouldn't do anything if it happens again like if it ha- like there was no I, I asked for clarification with one of the teachers and she was like no no don't walk around don't get on your bike just stay <laughs> okay do I get in a doorway <laughs> I, I don't know I think I'm supposed to get in a doorway <laughs> yeah, something for about something a, a structure <laughs> uh, so yeah that was wow. it was wild that is wild there is no other word. Yeah, I so I, I have to say I survived a volcanic eruption. That is yeah. and a typhoon. And a ty- well, several typhoons, but yeah. Several. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, there's certain seasons uh, that it's... Like hurricane season. Yeah, kind or of. Yeah, and certain places it's going to be worse than others, but um, we didn't have as many. But occasionally we had the typhoons where we were. Wow. Uh, how long did, you know, how long does it take for a whole city full of ash to just like disperse. It, How did it took a while. I mean, it took away? a, yeah, it took a, a while and then it just sort of, you, you know, sweep the, the sidewalk, sweep the thing and then it, you know, blow off of the, the trees and the, as I mentioned, Japan does have trees. <laughs> uh, and, and uh, yeah, it just, life returns to normal. But wow. I'm, I'm constantly concerned there's going to be another eruption yeah. or earthquake the, my entire stay of course how could you not yeah. be and and what a unique thing to have everyone be kind of rocked by that as oh, well yeah and you look over you see the you see the mountain smoking you i mean and then they said you definitely do not because i i hadn't climbed the mountain at that point and i wanted to and they you said you, you don't the fumes it's it's stupid to right. get close so some people i know still did it but it's not i don't I don't I don't mess with volcanoes, okay? No. That's one thing people know about me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on a skate from Pompeii ride a time or two. <laughs> don't mess with volcanoes. I'll climb in a typhoon. Yeah. But... Well, yeah. Yeah. You live and you learn. <laughs> Man, that is really fascinating. Yeah. What have you been back since then? Or I have. I went to? back uh, a couple times, and I, I really it's on my list to, to go back again because I haven't been in um, a few years. And I just everything about it the fashion, the shopping, the food, the, the it's one of the most beautiful countries I've ever been to, just in terms of, of that. Um, and just fascinating. It's the funniest place I, I've ever been. You're yeah. looking like everything, it's this juxtaposition of this chaos and lights of the big city and this peacefulness of the, the countryside. And some sign I, I don't know if this has changed a lot because so, it's been years since I've been there but you know people joke about these signs in English right. that are completely you know wrong and, it, and they're definitely there in that um, you know t-shirts that, uh, right. that that are it's just part of it like there was one like sign in a Almost this, it wasn't a strip mall, but it was sort of a strip mall. Uh, and it said, Discount Plaza. <gasps> oh, my. Yeah, so that was, I mean, that was. That would probably sell pretty well here. That's comedy gold. <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, other T-shirts that are like, you know, I'm trying to think of one. Like, me want be perfectly flowerly electrical children's stove. Just just <laughs> co- completely cool font, but it just doesn't mean Nonsense anything. So I'm end. curious to return and see if this is still the case. And just, you know, a store called like Sugarbox. Or right. just like, it's just like, you know. In the same way that it's kind of a jokey trope here for someone to get like a Japanese tattoo. Right. And they, yeah. like, it means hope. Yeah. It actually means like cat anus or yeah. something yeah. like that. That means... Uh, broken femur it's, you know it's like it, it, yeah it does not mean thunder uh, but yeah yeah what were some of the hardest parts of the language barrier in learning it and teaching and stuff just because there's multiple like alphabets uh, hiragana katakana and so you have to learn different different things in kanji which are the symbols as well so um I think just hiragana and katakana, katakana and then um, kanji, which kanji is the, the same symbol as it, uh, Chinese, a certain symbol, but it's it's a totally different word in Japanese than a Chinese. Whoa. But like that would be the symbol for exit or rice. But it is you wouldn't be able to say I wouldn't be able to say it in Chinese, but I could say it, in you know, in Whoa. Japanese. So just study and like making connections. And I did when I was there, I did um, force myself to to study Japanese and and uh, 
pay for a tutor. So I took the first layer, first level of the Japanese language proficiency test, which is nothing like in the scheme of things. But I, I think I like, barely passed. Aww. But I was so proud of my C minus. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's a tough language because you you have to really try to read. Oh, orange juice. If it's it's an English word, but in Japanese, like orange juice, that has a different alphabet than if it's a Japanese word or or something like that. So you're putting together how does this what does this symbol sound like and what does that symbol mean? So In there's all context. of these things where you're constantly just trying to figure out. Oh, I it took me five minutes to realize that's a bicycle shop or or that though this is the symbol for or this is this is oh that's eggplant like so like reading a menu just takes more time and but once it starts to click you look for those clues right now i mean it's it's sad my japanese has gone out the window but i think the biggest challenge when i first arrived is that my brain went into foreign language mode and my previous language that i had studied was spanish Mm. so i started to try and say gracias to people which was oh yeah because your brain just like well this isn't English this should work right um, right right so I yes. think that's the biggest challenge is in that's trying so to funny. construct uh, sentences in yeah the especially because that was pretty low-hanging fruit too domo arigato <laughs> yeah. like we, yeah, sorry, we like all you got can that say, one yeah, but, but, <laughs> thank, thanks Mary Beth for shaming me into not I'm being honest here folks and I'm feeling I had some, to someone just threw up a major shade tree the one, uh, none of those in Japan <laughs> The, that was the one example that's you true. gave me. Okay. I was like, that's like the only <laughs> Japanese word I know. Yeah, that's true. Fair, <laughs> fair enough. Point taken. Arigato gozaimasu. You know, I'm yeah. sorry. Whatever I'm sorry is in Japanese. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I take it back. I take it back. Lo siento. Yeah. <laughs> See? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got gotcha. you. Um, but yeah, do you have any desire to go to Japan? I'm always curious. Oh, I would love to. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, so. The only real Eastern culture that I've been able to experience in person was in Turkey. Oh, uh, cool. Uh, on at the tail end of my study abroad trip, where I spent a vast majority of my time in Ireland and the UK, we were given free reign to do some independent travel, and I made it to uh, Izmir, Turkey, which is a a smaller city and Istanbul. Nice. Uh, we're only there for you know the better part of a day, but I got to see the Hagia Sophia and the Blue Mosque, like the two biggest mosques there, and that was just you know breathtaking. Mm-hmm. After having seen a million cathedrals, right? Oh, in Europe, yeah, you're you're cathedrals and high yes. crosses yeah. and like all of this stuff, especially because one of the courses through my program was a medieval lit course we had to go to so (laughs) many like and and you know it's probably there's some people listening who are like oh woe is me yeah like i get it and and that absolutely is part of it uh, is like twist my arm i gotta go to another medieval (laughs) civilization yeah but uh, after seeing a lot of that and it you know, becoming kind of a, a jokey, yeah. like, I'm going to see another high cross today. Yeah. Seeing the Hagia Sophia, I think that's uh, how it's pronounced, but in the Blue Mosque, uh-huh. was this totally different experience. I mean, totally different architecture, totally different spiritual oh, feeling. Emotional. We walk in, it has a totally different vibe than a cathedral. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it just absolutely, you know, talk about attention to detail, just really fascinating stuff. So I would love to travel to Japan. Yeah. Absolutely. Turkey. Yeah, I would love to go to Turkey. We'll do an exchange. Love it. We'll do, we'll Compare notes. Yeah. How do you feel your time spent in Japan and the things that you took away from this experience, your love of their culture and your returning to it has influenced you both creatively and kind of your life in general? Oh, boy. That is that is a good question. That's the topper. Uh, I think it 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 is in my life on a daily basis in that I pillaged that country. I bought everything that I could <gasps> carry back with me just because I, I mean, in the sense of the art and, and um, some of just the objects in general that I thought were beautiful. I still, they're, 
I treasure them to this day. Like just because um, I have one uh, piece of calligraphy that the calligraphy teacher uh, made for me based on my personality. Oh. It's like this. Um, it's uh, the word is tanoshi, which means fun in Japanese, and sort of it's sort of this loose uh, interpretation of that character. Oh, I just got chills! And I love that so that's much. That's hanging in my um, living room, and there's another. Was that an obli? It was Omiyage is sort of a Omiyage. gift you bring back from a trip. This was just like he's he's a famous artist that happens to also be teaching calligraphy. Wow. Um, I. Some of, I'm still in touch with some of the people that that I some of the my Japanese friends there as well as um, foreign teachers from around the world that I that I also met there are still still I'm friends with so I'm still that kind of connection and um, bond is still throughout my life and just the I mean Japanese food in general is one of my favorite uh, foods uh-huh. uh, I sound like I'm a six year old my favorite food my favorite is Japanese Japanese um, and kind of the um, celebration of beauty or like taking the time to present something in a in a beautiful or thoughtful way um that that that's important um and also the idea of wabi-sabi which is a design element that i'm not going to do it justice but that the it's an item or a, a something is perfect in its imperfections so if there's a chip in that cup like that makes the cup more beautiful because oh. there's that history or that that crack in it you don't want things to be perfect because things aren't that. perfect so that has to do with like the seasons and that it's not going to be summer forever so let's really enjoy the peaches that we have right now mm. so that the fact that you can't have them year round is so important because let's really enjoy them right now and man i feel like that ties back so well into uh, speaking to american culture mm-hmm. of like i always can have this mm-hmm. so why should i appreciate it and it's, there's a total a very distinctive difference there of appreciation level and, mm-hmm. and i love that yeah. the idea that if something is more lived in or mm-hmm. used it has a story it's more valued yes like i'd rather have uh, many different plates that don't match as opposed because this plate i got from this place and there's oh. the beauty around the table that sort of tells a story and this this handmade i also took a pottery class when i was there that's why i'm so focused on cool. plates you're like why does this girl think she's crate and barrel but uh <laughs> that's that. why i'm focused on like a chip and a cup I thought or something it was like that because japanese food favorite food <laughs> well that <laughs> food is generally served on plates point mary beth um, but you know having this, this these many beautiful objects that that don't necessarily match but but that's the the perfection in it there's that wabi-sabi quality to it i love that, that. Um, it's all wabi-sabi part of, yeah look it up i'm gonna have to er- jot that one <laughs> i'm sure down. some like design guru you know there's books about it that's like reclaiming it as but it's a, this japanese thing that's that exists that's awesome Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. This has been a really enlightening conversation. It absolutely made me want to travel there and experience the culture firsthand. Uh, Where do you think is on your uh, visit list? Like, what's a place you haven't been? Well, you mentioned Turkey, but... Yeah, I've never been to Turkey. Yeah, I... um I really want to go to Cuba before yeah. it changes drastically. Right, um, that's definitely on on my my list. I've never been to Thailand either. Like I've done other parts of of Asia, but I've never been to Thailand. And um, that seems to be one of those places like Iceland that is getting a decent amount of tourism oh, yeah. uptick right now. But it's also a big country, so a lot of people only go to specific places, mm. and so. It just it depends what kind of trip you want. If you want the crazy, you know, going to the club or sure. uh, beach or whatever. But then, there, yeah, it's a, it's a big country. Cool. So. But yeah, Cuba. I mean, there's. I, well, I'll go anywhere. I, I love to travel. So that's awesome. Yeah. I think it it definitely rounds people if if you have the opportunity to do it. It certainly, you know, has affected my life when I've gotten to do it. So yeah, if you could save your money and spend it on travel, so the the one thing that yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think sound advice. <laughs> <laughs> and also trees. And no trees in Japan. <laughs> up, up, up. <laughs> I had to get one more. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this, Becca. I love you. Thank you. Know. Love you. Baby, how you feeling? 
This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.